Season 2, Episode 13 of the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast, brought to you by Mugshots Grill and Bar, Katie Cake and Company, Huey P. Stocksdale LLC, Pearl River Community College, Bank Plus, Advantage Insurance Company, Anthem Mitchell, a realtor with Rematch Premier Group, and Picayune Physical Therapy Center. Your recovery is in professional hands. When you need physical therapy services, turn to Picayune Physical Therapy Center. Give Ernie Landrum a call at 601-749-8145. On this episode, we will talk high school football playoffs. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. I'm Clay Sweet. Across from me, as always, the producer and co-host of the podcast, Jeff Lysette. And uh, an exciting time to be a sports fan in Mississippi as we are into the third round of some of our state playoffs, second round of others in the bigger uh, A's, 5A and 6A. So um, great time to be following high school football. Of course, college football is in full swing, if not at the end of their seasons. NFL in full swing, college basketball uh, beginning. And so just a great time to be a sports fan, great time to be a podcast host. So we're excited that you've joined us with this week. We're excited uh, that you follow and listen to us, and we are certainly appreciative of that. Jeff, let's jump straight into the roundtable. Yep, let's get into the high school football portion of the roundtable, sponsored by uh, Physical Therapy Services in Picayune and Clay. Uh, we typically start with JUCO, but I'm going to save that till a little bit after the high school. It was a special weekend for JUCO, but let's jump right in high school. Start with the 4A playoffs. It was the second round of the playoffs this past Friday night. Uh, people at home, if you're listening to the podcast, you fill out brackets like we do, kind of uh, like an NCAA basketball tournament. But up in quadrant uh, one of the of the bracket, West Lauderdale and Florence. West Lauderdale is 42, Florence 14. Uh, big game right there. And, and with some news coming out of Florence uh, today as we're recording the podcast about coaching changes and stuff like that. So uh, that happened. But West Lauderdale, big win against Florence. Yep, and West Lauderdale certainly looks the part, Jeff, when you – I haven't uh, seen them on tape other than two ball games that I've been able to study them, and, and they look like they should on huddle. They reflect their record 12-1, and one, a dominant club when you look at their points for and against. Um, that shows how right. dominant they've been throughout uh, their season. When the, That kind of win against Florence says a lot about them, and they'll certainly be tested as their next opponent is the undefeated East Central Hornets, who passed a very tough pa- uh, test just this past weekend. Yep, East Central, you talking about that battle. They uh, come out on top, Greene County, 17-7. to uh, And Greene County kind of had them there for a little bit. I think it was 17-3 or something like that early in the ball game as we were uh, trying to keep track with it as we was calling the ball game. And uh, East Central still rolling. We thought that would be one of the premier matchups in the second round, and, and it was, you know, if you look at the score. But 17-7 to East Central, and they will host uh, West Lauderdale uh, this coming up Friday. Uh, should be an interesting matchup as we're nearing to the South State Championship. Yep, Greene County, I believe, was winning that ball game 7-3, Jeff, is what you're alluding to there. And Coach King and that Greene County team, were very good all year long. Popperville, of course, had them earlier in the season. We saw them with our own eyes. Popperville and Green. It was three to nothing. Popperville was leading at the half of that ball game before Popperville was able to distance themselves in the second half. So. 
credit Seth Smith, credit that coaching staff, and credit East Central, what they've been able to put together and the run that they are on playing for a state championship just a year ago and now have run their record out to a perfect 11-0. and And uh, exciting times in 4A football, uh, Jeff, when you look at it, only eight teams still playing. We're privileged to be covering right. uh, one of those eight, and we'll get right into Popperville now. Yep, uh, Popperville. Northeast Lauderdale, second round. Popville had to go on the road to Northeast Lauderdale Trojans, come out on top 40 to 8. And people was like, wow, 40 to 8. If you're listening to the score, if you heard some of it uh, uh, Friday, or if you looked, went back and looked, seen the score, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, field conditions, it was red, it was wet, it was rainy, cold, windy. Uh, but Popville went and handled their business, pitched a. a a shutout there in the first half with the uh, defense coach uh, Tim Story, defensive coordinator. But Popperville, big win, forty to eight. Yeah, Popperville, what they've done and extending their record out to eleven and one. The way that they've run the football all season long. I believe the other night they rushed for over or nearly five hundred yards. Uh, Antonio Barnes had two touchdowns. Chase Shears had two touchdowns, and Corey Knight had two touchdowns and as you described Jeff really the last four weeks have been runaways Uh, this is a Popperville club that began to dress some of their uh, star ninth grade players if you will those ninth graders have played the last two weeks in the playoffs because the scores have gotten so out of hand that they've gotten those kids some snaps. And when I say snaps, these kids are getting snapped in the third quarter. When uh, when we talk about a staff pulling their foot off the pedal and really uh, breaking and letting some guys get in, for one thing, health, trying to keep guys healthy. The injury bug has played this team. And, and what does that say about the depth in the program of the Popperville Hornets? This is a 4A team. A lot of 4A teams, if you get some key injuries, can really derail you. This 4A team has had stars, seniors that you lean on, hurt, banged up. They fought through that and uh, looking still to get everybody well and to see this team really at its full potential. And I say that they put 50 on the board, 49, 48, and 40 in their last four ball games. Yeah, and and you're talking about the key snaps for them freshmen too. And uh, still coaching. The coaches out there still coaching. Uh, letting the freshmen come in. And this past Friday night, you've seen some freshmen and underclassmen mixed in with some of the seniors. Antonio Barnes stayed in there as quarterback. And then some of the freshmen, uh, uh, Tyson Holston's younger brother, Holston, come in there and, and was carrying the football. So you've seen some um, veterans in there, so to speak, with some of them young ones there for Popperville too. So that was a little mix-up. Mix and something we're getting to see. Uh, kind of at full speed and at full force is that junior tailback Chase right. Shears. Chase, a guy that's listed, I believe, in a program at like 5'10", 5'11", uh, 200 pounds. He's probably plus that right now. Um, he's amazing, Jeff. He's touched the ball going into Friday night. He touched it like 42 times and it scored on 12 or 13 of those touches. And people are listening to the podcast and say, what did he say? Yeah, that's right. He's scoring about a quarter of the time that he touches the football. He is amazing. He added to that on Friday night. I believe he only touched it, what, five, seven times, something like that, uh, for those two touchdowns and nearly 100 yards for the junior. 
he's fresh too. This is a guy that hasn't, you hear me say, he's only carried the ball around 45 times uh, now. He's going to be fresh from here out, and that's a really good thing for this Popperville Hornet club. And then can't say enough about the senior leadership at quarterback. Antonio Barnes had a spectacular game the other night, two long runs, was able to play some at defensive back, a twist, something that we haven't seen maybe uh, his more natural position right. at the next level, which he will play at the next level. He's that kind of athlete. But all that being said, it's the third round, and you will get your oil tested this week as South Pike will come to the Hornets' nest. South Pike 11-2. and two. You'll talk about the win just last week, Jeff, but this is a good club. We'll come back to their numbers after you give their score last week. Yeah, and you mentioned that Popperville will be at home. Uh, against South Pike, South Pike beat Mendenhall 44-26. to And Mendenhall, uh, you had mentioned it the other day, but Mendenhall had the 4A state player of the year. It was on Mendenhall. And South Pike went into Mendenhall and just laid it to him, 44-26. Now the Popperville Hornet Ball Club is setting back, practicing, watching film, and the South Pike Eagles come to uh, Popperville this Friday night. Yeah, and a fella that I haven't enjoyed seeing on film on what I've looked at so far on Huddle is the quarterback, Turner. He's accounted for over 1,200 yards passing the football, over 1,000 yards rushing. He's accounted for 36 touchdowns back there. And so he's a good player. Well, he puts a guy to the side of him that's run for 1,300 yards in his tailback and also has 18 touchdowns. That's a dynamic duo they'll put – back in that backfield for the Eagles of South Pike. Yep, and it and it really will. Uh, it sounds like it. You look at it on paper. You look at it on film like you did. And it uh, the Hornets' nest, the Popperville Hornet fans are in for a ball game uh, this Friday night. So to recap that for a West Lauderdale will be at East Central and then South Pike will be at Poplarville. Now we foreshadow, we've done it before, looking into the South, Popperville Hornet fans – if you want to play at home next week or the week after for South South State, East Central has to get beat by West Lauderdale. That, that is the only way that Popperville will host South State. East Central wins regardless who wins out of South Pike and Popperville, they will be at East Central. So that's the way the South is shaking up. That's exactly right, Jeff. People around the state, maybe in South State, looking forward uh, to a potential rematch, a, right. a do-over, uh, so to speak, of the Hornet Bowl from just uh, a year ago. If you look up north, Pontotoc uh, plays Louisville. Greenwood will play Corn. That's the uh, four left on the north side. Yep, and everybody watching on the north side has been watching Louisville, too. Uh, they come in, I think you said 12-1, and one, face Pontotoc. So, north side, as you mentioned, there's only eight ball clubs left, four from the south, four from the north. So, it's getting down to it. The day after Thanksgiving will be South State and North State Championship. That's right, Jeff. And if uh, if these teams, uh, of course, one from the north, one from the south, will right. tee it up 11 a.m. on December the 1st uh, there in the Rock and Hattiesburg. So, uh, all these teams fighting for that date. Yep, and then that's so that's the breakdown of the 4A uh, bracket for uh, going into the playoffs. Let's get into the 5A as we get, I say, closer to home as we're based out of Picayune. Uh, we're going to start with the Hattiesburg and West Jones, though. Hattiesburg uh, took care of Brookhaven in the first round of the 5A, 52-6. to uh, We 
Coach Tony Vance, a friend of the podcast, Charlie Rogers up there for the uh, the broadcasting crew for the Tigers, friend of the broad, uh, podcast, had him on uh, before. Hattiesburg's rolling 52-6, to and that's a first-round matchup uh, for 5A uh, playoffs. Yep, and you look at what Hattiesburg's done. That's kind of par for the course. Right. They've destroyed teams when they've uh, gotten out in front of them, haven't let their foot off the pedal. They know how to put people away. They certainly did that. So their first-round opponent, really kind of the spore, score you expected from Hattiesburg, uh, they did what they were supposed to do. Right, and then Wes Jones. Wes Jones faced uh, Stone uh, County Tomcats. Stone uh, was leading that ball game 23-22 late in the ball game, and Wes Jones kicks a field goal late. Uh, kind of upset Stone there, 25-23, and now we have that matchup for this coming up Friday, Hattiesburg. Uh, against West Jones. Yeah, when you look at that ball game, Jeff, you say upset because it was 20 to 3 at one time that Stone, who was trying to kind of pull the upset, had gotten themselves into that 20 to 3 lead and people across the state saying, "Hold on. Look at Stone. Look at what coach Feaster and them are going to pull off." And then West Jones fights all the way back and wins that ball game. West Jones has hung their hat on defense all year long. And they will certainly have a chance to see what that defense is made of this week. Yep. And like I said, uh, this week it'll be Hattiesburg and West Jones for the second round uh, of the 5A tournament. And then Picayune. Picayune uh, hosted Natchez at home. Uh, we had uh, offensive coordinator and, and offensive line coach Cody Stogner on the podcast uh, last week talking about Picayune in this matchup. But Picayune just steamrolls. Uh, over Natchez, 55-8 to eight, uh, in that ball game. And, and in typical Coach Lee fashion, Jordan Rain, tons of yards uh, rushing. And, and some mistakes, too. It was windy and rainy and cold. Uh, Picking fought through some mistakes and some turnovers there, but just – just runs through Natchez 55 to 8. Yeah, and can't say enough about Picayune's rushing offense. I mean, people across the state, people that listen to this uh, podcast, they've heard it all year long. They heard it, as you said, from uh, Cody Stogner last week. And the tip of the cap from Cody and that whole staff always goes back to the offensive line and the way that they move people, the fullbacks in that offense, do an outstanding job finding uh, their backer to hit and open up space and Look, I've watched closely this Picayune offense for a long time, and the yardage that they're pick, putting up, to me, is a, a little tick up. You know, they always run the ball really well. I think this year may be a little step up from that, and I think that's got to, a lot to do with the size of that offensive line. We saw them in the first game of the year against Popperville, and they're just huge. That offensive line is a junior college size offensive line and they have had trouble against nobody moving them and moving the football even against Hattiesburg uh, earlier in the year Hattiesburg didn't stop them from running a ball and so um, how far will that take Picayune and right. a playoffs we'll find out as they'll head uh, between the bricks next week up to Laurel yep they head to Laurel as you mentioned because Laurel defeated Wayne County 37 to 6 uh, Laurel, a, a very good ball club, uh, been kind of the Achilles heel for Picayune over the past uh, 
three or four years, it's kind of put Picayune out of the playoffs. So Picayune gets their chance to go back up and kind of avenge themselves as they have to go to Laurel to face uh, a very good Laurel team. Once again, beat Wayne County 37-6. to Yeah, you look at Laurel, they've put Picayune out the last two years. Their head coach, Todd Breland, uh, has won a state championship there at Laurel. He's been the state coach of the year for the state of Mississippi, the year that they won uh, the state title in 14-15. And we'll get a chance now to visit with head coach at Laurel, Todd Breland. Coach Breland, we appreciate you taking time for the podcast tonight, man, and uh, always a good time to still be talking uh, football in South Mississippi and got a big one coming this week. Picune's going to arrive there between the bricks and just kind of tell us, Coach, if you would, uh, about this rivalry that's uh, built over time between Picune and Laurel. Well, you know, man, well, I was, uh, thanks for having me on tonight anyway, guys. But uh, when I was a young coach back in the uh, mid-'90s, Picune and Laurel, we were in the same division together. And uh, Buddy Duke was the head coach at Laurel at that time. I was a young assistant. And, uh, of course, we had some really, really good football games in that early 2000 era, you know, with, with Picayune. And, and it was one of the situations where we were playing them twice a year, once in regular season and once in playoffs, it seemed. And uh, it, it certainly has been a, a long tradition. And of course, we've, we've gotten together the last few years and, and uh, you know, had some good outcomes for us and a few good outcomes for them. And But it's, it's always a good hard-fought game and, uh, I don't think it's any surprise what you're going to get out of a Dodley team. Coach, you, you mentioned that. How important is it uh, to have uh, Picune come to y'all to play that game between the bricks? Well, it's it's just, it's always nice to play at home, you know, And uh, but I, I've certainly enjoyed going to Picune to play. The, the place is a, is a great football atmosphere, just like it is up here between the bricks. And, you know, but I, I think – the, the way the Picayune fans travel, the way the Laurel fans travel, that, you know, once the game starts, we could be in the Walmart parking lot. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> Coach, you look at your season and the way that y'all have gotten here. Uh, in the early stages of the season, kind of had a, a bump in the road uh, through that Pine Belt uh, part of the schedule, if you will. But y'all have grown from that and reeled off nine in a row. What's changed, Coach? Well, you know, we we've played a, a tough nine uh, division schedule for several years, and you know it doesn't always come out the way you want it to. But what it does show you is where you are, and uh, we we realize as a as a coaching staff after evaluating ourselves that we had to change some things and we had to become more a more physical football team. So we changed the way we practice. And as a matter of fact, I talked to Coach Lee a little bit this morning, and I told him he'd be proud of the way we're practicing. I know. <laughs> He's a physical football guy, and uh, but you know when you when you change styles like that, you're kind of nervous that maybe your team uh, uh, kind of shy away from that challenge. But our our kids have it; they've embraced it, and uh, it certainly has shown up in the in the you know later part of the season. And uh, we're we're a much tougher, much better football team than we were early. But you know, it, it's just part of the evaluation process. In in coach. Uh... You talked. You, you just mentioned, and you're kind of leading into my question too. You just talked to uh, Coach uh, Dodley this morning a little bit, and and I, I don't want to. I don't want you to get into too much. Or when I ask this question, I mean I know coaches have their game plans and some things they're doing, but your ball club coming in 
to going into this Friday night, your preparation, you're watching a film. What what have you kind of shown your ball club on film and stuff about Picayune with that big offensive line and the running back with Jordan Rain? Some things that they need to do or or how to handle that that big offensive line. And of course, what Coach Lee does uh, especially especially well is is the running game. So with Jordan right. Rain behind uh, behind that big offensive line of Picayune. Well, we we know exactly what's coming. I mean, uh, you know, it's not a secret. You could put a game film in for twenty years ago with them, and it's the same thing. But, uh, but as far as this Friday, you know, fortunately we've got guys that were on the field with them a year ago, and a couple that you know we played two years ago, and so they they have a little understanding. And certainly, we practice differently this week than we do for a regular game because of what the challenge picking you gives you because you don't see that offense every week not not in our league up here and uh so we we've had to identify we've taken some some kids they're wearing a different color jersey this week and they're, they're going to be picking you offense and and uh you know we're we're just kind of relying on what we've what we've done the last couple of years and uh to give us some success against them but you know saying all of that uh Picayune is going to get theirs, and we understand that. We got to keep pace with them, and you can't waste an opportunity offensively. And and uh, so you know you prepare to stop them, but you know in real life you're not. And uh, you just kind of you hope you can steal a possession here or there. And and uh, but you know we we just don't ask our kids to you know, do do what we coach them to do and play hard. And if they if they do that, that's all you can ask them. Coach, when you talk about that, coaching them and getting them to believe, when you hit a patch like you hit earlier in the year, how much of the success and the things that y'all have built uh, there in Laurel from what your team – I mean, these these guys have, have kind of come up in a program where they're used to y'all playing this week of the playoffs and beyond yeah. that. How much does that trust and confidence in this group and that staff kind of play in – uh, to one another to get you deep in the playoffs each and every year? Well, number one, you said that word staff, and we have a great coaching staff, and those guys really really get the job done, man, get these kids prepared every week. But I think from our kids, you know, Laurel's a tight, tight-knit, tight small community, and uh, most of the kids I, I'm coaching right now, they either coach their brothers or cousins or dads in some cases, hmm. and, and they, they kind of don't want to be the ones that drop the ball. Hmm. And uh, they – they're blue collar kids. They show up for work, and uh, they love the game of football, and they love the uh, they love the attention they get from it from the community. And and, and uh, it's a it's a great place to coach, a great place to play, and uh, it, it just goes back to to the tradition mm-hmm. that we have here, and the and the kids just want to keep that success going, and they want to make their mark in history. Coach, you talk about uh, tradition. I'm going to branch off even from your club and get the whole surrounding area. But the Pine Belt, seems like everybody up there is still playing, man. It's been a, a, a good year for football up there, and that's not uh, out of the ordinary. Uh, just talk about, uh, if you would, the different rivalries and the way that y'all compete against each other, and do y'all kind of keep an uh, eye you know, out of the corner of your eye to see what each other are doing on different Friday nights? Oh, absolutely, we do. Uh, you know, we we have some great games. We play up here on a regular basis. Of course, of course, you have the Laurel Hattiesburg game, which always gets a lot of attention, and it rightfully should. Uh, you know, Coach Vance is is obviously 
got that bunch on a on a pretty good streak. They're they're a very talented team, and uh, you know, and, and we all know each other. You know, all mm-hmm. the coaches uh, are, are tight. I don't know if people realize what a close community we are, but uh, you know, West Jones, Laurel, they're like five miles from our campus, and. You know, I was actually a West Jones product. So I, I understood that <laughs> that rivalry from the early '80s. But uh, uh, it's just that—that's probably two of our, you know, local rivals that we played, and one that we built up the last few years was Wayne County. Hmm. And uh, you know, we, back in '14, uh, you know, we we're in the same division, and uh, they beat us in the regular season. We beat them in South State and went on to win it. And then the next year, you flip the script. We beat them in the regular season. They beat us in South State and went on to win it. And if, and that game kind of disappeared for a few years when they changed regions, went to the coast. But, you know, we kind of renewed that last Friday night. We got the better of that one. So, But that's certainly been a been a big game for us. Again, close school. Uh, people work together, kin to each other and, and everything else. But this, this Pine Belt football up here is pretty, pretty doggone good. It is, man, and it's been impressive. Coach, I didn't plan on asking you this, but you talk about the close-knit community of coaches, uh, kind of the, that fraternity, and then uh, the brotherhood of the players on uh, Friday night. And when the tragedy strikes uh, like it did, I guess, uh, two Friday nights in a row, one with the injury and then, of course, uh, this past Friday night uh, with the death of a, of a player, that I, – I, I don't know. Is that something that you even address with your uh, your team, or like from a perspective of a head coach uh, with the size of your program? How do you even handle that, Coach Brayler? You know, that's we've certainly had our tragedies up here as well. Uh, not on the field, but uh, we, we lost a young man to to an accident uh, two two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I made that statement that I didn't that nobody taught me in college how to deal with this mm. and, and how to, you know, stare the face of ninety young men in the eyes and tell them it's going to be okay. And uh, that you know, it, it's it's a different situation, man. And, and for me personally, I've always feared something to that nature that could happen. But I mean, it you know. It, there are a lot of things that can happen out there, not just on the field, but, you know, kids are driving mm-hmm. cars. And, you know, I watch my daughter on, a, on an app every morning and I don't let a breath out until mm-hmm. she arrives at school. Yep. And, uh, but, you know, you, you, you just have to convince those kids and they, they have to trust in the Lord and, mm-hmm. and, you know, through the, through the face of a storm that, you know, he'll come through and, uh, it's, it's a trust process in God and, and uh, we don't always understand what's going mm. on, but there's a reason for it. I, I can promise them that. And, uh, you know, I, you, you see injuries happen, ACLs, tib fields, shoulders, and and those are painful enough. But when something like that happens to, like, that young man up there, and our hearts are certainly out to his family and his community and school. But uh, it, it is tough. And, and it, we, our football team, we, we, we talked about it a little bit before he had passed away. And uh, I'm kind of a superstitious guy or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really want to talk about the, the later part. But I know right. my kids reacted to it. I saw some social media posts. Mm-hmm. and uh, But, you know, we're talking about that closeness. Uh, Coach Gandy at Wayne County's father passed away last week. Mm. And uh, he actually had his funeral Saturday after our game. 
And I did mention that to my kids right before the game started. And uh, just to keep his, him and his family in their prayers, no matter what the outcome of that game. And when the game was over, I tell you what was heartwarming for me is I saw several of my kids go over and give them a hug. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, that brought tears to my eyes. I was so proud of them. And uh, I know it meant a lot to Coach Gandy. Absolutely, Coach. And a guy <laughs> with your type of uh, influence that's in front of kids – every day i just pull four and i think a lot of y'all do a great job of uh teaching and coaching uh more than just football so that's uh, uh some a neat perspective i think for our listeners to hear there yeah. well i think in, in all in the faces of all that adversity and tragedy you have to let kids express themselves and and let them do the things they need to do to get to get themselves through that storm so. yeah absolutely Coach, just one final question, and we'll change gears, man. Just uh-huh. We're going to end on a more positive note. If y'all are playing again next Friday night, what would be some uh, things that would have had to happen right for your uh, ball club on Friday night, man? Well, we'll have to score more than pick. <laughs> 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 that's, that's about it, man. Like I was saying, we brought into this, is, you know, we can't waste a possession on offense and, uh, you know, breaking it down either further we got to stay in front of the chains we can't get into long yardage and, uh you know by penalties and negative plays but you know uh as, as well as picayune moves the football we we got to get a couple of stops i think they're averaging 45 points a game mm-hmm. and i think the only time they throw it's when they're changing the ball off the sideline <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's, it's, they throw it i don't know why it's, Coach Lee does what he does. Every now and again, he'll poke one on you. But, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just it's a tremendous uh, football team when they're when they're scoring forty five points a game, doing what they do. And uh, but you 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 drop a couple possessions on them and get behind on them, and it's going to be very difficult because you're not going to get many opportunities. Coach, I said that was a final question. I'm going to ask you one more. Your guys uh, from Laurel actually were able to hook up for a touchdown and a. JUCO state championship uh-huh. just this yeah. past week. How neat was that uh, for you and that community there um, against Jones, but at yeah. Ellisville, two of their guys hooking up for a score? Well, here's another little uh, trivia to put into that. The quarterback coach at East Mississippi is Dontrell Pruitt. Oh, wow. Who was my yep. quarterback at Laurel. <laughs> so it was really special for me watching my quarterback coach my quarterback, who uh. was my receiver. You know, being blocked by one of my offensive linemen, but so, yeah, that was that was a special moment. Uh, you know, these these guys, you know, every coach tell you the same thing. We don't let go of these kids, mm-hmm. and and to watch them go over there and have that success, and of course, I was still frozen from Friday night, but at least I was dry. But it was still cold out there, at JC. <laughs> and, uh, when they scored the go-ahead touchdown, the running back hit the end zone, and Taquan was right behind him and gave me a chest bump. Oh wow! So, uh, but it was it was a neat moment to see that. I was I was certainly proud of those kids and wish them luck in the national championship coming up. Absolutely, Coach Man, we certainly appreciate your time and you've been a joy to visit with. Uh, keep up the good work, and we certainly uh, look forward to visiting with you down the road, my man. Be awesome, y'all coming up Friday. 
No, we're going to be uh, our Popperville staff a kill us. You said superstition. Yeah. If Jay Beach and that coaching staff don't see us at about 5 o'clock around that Popperville campus, they'll be looking they for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that a lot of people that are listening now, they, uh, there's some, some chatter about our field conditions on social media. Uh, listen, I promise you, we got one of the best field maintenance crews around, and that, that field will be fine Friday night. Well, we certainly appreciate uh, that update, Coach, and good luck to y'all Friday night, my man. Thanks, thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all a lot. Thank you, Coach. All right. Coming back now, Jeff, when you look at the top of that bracket or the north, just so uh, our listeners will know what's still left up there, you have West Point and Lafayette playing, and then you have Home Central and Olive Branch are the um, four teams left on the north side as there's only eight left, and that's an exciting um, exciting time to be a football uh, fan when you start to really break into these numbers. Yep, and then West Point, is everybody's got their eye on West Point up north. Uh, Lafayette, we had a chance to see them a couple years ago as Poplarville played Lafayette in the 4A state championship game. Lafayette playing actually down. They should have been 5A, and the next year they got moved up to 5A. So very interesting matchup between West Point and Lafayette. Uh, so once again, if you 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 trying to tune in and you're listening to the podcast, West Point plays Lafayette, Home Central, Olive Branch, Laurel, and Picayune on the south side, and then West Jones at Hattiesburg for the second round of the 5A championship. Yep, moving right into the 6A. Uh, when you look at the um, south, if you will, that's a kind of a Right. <laughs> term. I can't use South too strongly here because we don't have any coast schools still left in this 6A uh, bracket, even on the South. It's going to be a, a couple rematch games and a, no love lost in either of these games right. left in the South. These are going to be fist fights right here. Brandon versus Pearl and Petal versus Oak Grove. We previewed this last week. And it's kind of, I mean, you could see it kind of coming. You know, two teams – uh, and Petal and Oak Grove that battled earlier in the Pine Belt. Petal got off to such a rocky start, Jeff, really a bad start. But what they've done to find themselves in this uh, matchup against Oak Grove, they've overcome a, a really bad uh, start but have a chance to continue their year against Oak Grove. There will be a ton of people at this football game. Yep, and they are also uh, district rivals, so to speak. Well, they are. They're in the same district. Uh, but I talked about it last week, that it's a possibility for them to come down in the second round. And you were talking about Petal's rocky start, but what they did last week to Gulfport, Gulfport was a one seed in that dis- in that region. Petal goes in there and beats them 34 to nothing and puts the one seed out in that region uh, for uh, the number one gone. So Petal and Oak Grove, Petal's playing good ball uh, down the stretch when it matters, uh, getting into the playoffs. So Petal Oak Grove, a very uh, a very good matchup for the second round of Sitzo. Yeah, and you look at what Oak Grove was able to do. Both of those teams really embarrassed the right. two teams from the coast. Oak Grove just manhandled Harrison Central as well. And then for a four seed to pitch a shutout and their opponents build, and that – that speaks right. highly of the way that Petal's playing, both playing their best football at the best time of year, and they'll run into each other. That one would be fun to keep an eye on. And then Brandon, the one team that did represent from the coast and kind of scare the one seed to death was St. Martin. Now, you know, Brandon has to kick a, a 
walk-off field goal to win that one. A, a friend of the podcast, Jake Wimberly, had a, a beautiful call of that kick against St. Martin. And uh, St. Martin of four scared the Bulldogs to death. Um, I'm sure Brandon will get uh, – Pearl will get Brandon's full attention, though, uh, this week. And that one will be just a brawl up there as, as Pearl and Brandon. No love lost and two good teams, a great rivalry and the stakes – even higher here, winner go home. Well, Pearl, Pearl had a game with in their own rights the first round. They played Ocean Springs. It was an 18-12 win uh, by Pearl, but not Ocean Springs out, as you mentioned, the Coast teams. Uh, for Sid Say, gone. Brandon Pearl. That these Brandon Pearl, Petal Oak Grove is the matchups that you want to see in the playoffs. You see rivals. You see hatred, so to speak, between – I mean, this is, that's what you want to see. Uh, if you're a football fanatic and a football fan, that, that's the two games and the two teams and the atmospheres and stuff that you want to see in playoffs. Yep, should be a lot of fun when you take another peak up north. Horn Lake versus Startville, northeast, uh, excuse me, northwest Rankin and Madison Central. You potentially could get a rematch of a northwest Rankin Startville. Uh, if both of those teams could advance, that was a regular season ball game that Northwest Rankin was able uh, to beat Startville. Startville has been very good against everybody else. And so that would be uh, of interest just to see if we could get that rematch and how those games play out on Friday night. Yep, and Horn Lake playing good ball too was the number one seed uh, there when they beat Warren uh, Warren Central. So Horn Lake playing good ball. Horn Lake Startville, another interesting matchup. If you're just a football fanatic and you've got access to see the scores on Friday night, uh, Horn Lake Startville would be one to uh, – to keep an eye on as well uh, for that Sits A championship. Yep, should be a lot of fun as we move forward. Those numbers just keep uh, dwindling. And uh, next week will be a championship week, so we will see who advances to that. Yep, and then that, that does it for the high school portion uh, of the roundtable. It was a little longer uh, than normal. We're getting into the playoffs. We've got brackets from 4A, 5A, and 6A. But let's move right into the JUCO portion. And I saved it. I did it second because the state championship game play was on Saturday this week and not Thursday. Uh, and the JUCO portion of the, uh, of the roundtable will be brought to you by Pearl River Community College. And um, state championship, East Mississippi, number one in the nation against number four, Jones. East Mississippi wins that one at the end of the ballgame, in the later part of the ballgame, 19-14, to 14, to head to the national championship game in Kansas. Yep, and they won it on the uh, home field of Jones as the South got to host uh, this year. Interesting in that ballgame, a, a game that I, I watched most of, Jones moved the football, turned it over six times, turned it over Jeff twice within the 15-yard line of their opponent. East Mississippi, really good. But that wasn't their best showing or their best effort on Saturday. Uh, Jones doesn't turn it over half that many times. They probably win that one. Uh, Jones, a really good team, but just cannot overcome those kind of turnovers. Not against an East Mississippi team. And so that was interesting to watch. East Mississippi's been dominant for a lot of the year, but um, – Jones helped them a lot Saturday and helped them enough for them to uh, win another state championship. They don't need a lot of help, right. but they got some right. on Saturday. Yeah, and but if I was to tell you or to talk to anybody to say that during that ball game, Jones turned the ball over six times, 
you would automatically think before you seen the score that it would be a blowout. But Jones was still winning the ball game until later there in the second half when East scored two touchdowns to make it 19-14. to 14. And just some numbers that people may not know. If, I mean, I'm sure they do. It's been out and it's been written about. But this is East Mississippi's third straight MACJC state title, seven in ten years. And they're, they're four-time national champions, and they will play for the fifth national championship on November the 29th at Pittsburgh, Kansas. So, Coach Buddy Steven has the Lions uh, roaring, so to speak, as they get ready. they got two weeks to prepare for that national championship game. Yep, interesting note. Buddy Stevens was actually offensive line coach for a team in Pearl River Community right. College that won four of those jokers in a row. And so, having a uh, bird's eye view, being able to uh, be a color analyst uh, for the radio broadcast that saw all four of those and to win those four in a row uh, back in the day for Pearl River Community College. I can vouch for exactly how hard that is to do <laughs> four. And so to do three is, is uh, quite an accomplishment. And then those other numbers nationally, I, I mean, that's just mind-blowing what they've done in Scuba, Mississippi. You know what I mean? In yep. Scuba. Scuba. Wow. Just north of Meridian. <laughs> yeah. We were up that way Friday. Mercy. Uh, just north of Meridian and mm. Scuba. And then the final national rankings for uh, for the JUCO, the national rankings, there was five Mississippi teams play in the top 20. East Mississippi finishes at one. Jones was in at four playing. They only dropped one to number five. Northwest finishes at eighth in the nation. Mississippi Gulf Coast at 11 and Colin at 18. And also had Holmes with some votes down there, but just didn't make it into the top 20. So that says a lot. And we mentioned it uh, to Coach Oney last week for the Pearl River Community College men's basketball coach about people say Mississippi Juco football might be the little SEC of the Juco level in football. Well, you've got five Mississippi Juco teams there in the top 20 in the nation. Yeah, just a dynamite league and – the SEC and everybody else is, knows where to send kids to right. get them back and where to come uh, where find to come kids. Uh, that league is just stock full of D1 talent. Yep. Moving right along to the NCAA portion uh, of the podcast, and it will be brought to you by Huey, Stocks, Huey P. Stocks to LLC. Uh, Clay, our Eagles, USM goes to UAB and loses one 26 to 23. Uh, UAB, of course, their record was – I think they had one loss on the on the season. So, UAB's record showed them to be a good ball club. USM went over there, all hopes, everybody looking and, you know, watching the ball game, listening to the ball game. USM loses 26-23. Lost it in overtime, Jeff. Dominated the game in the first half. I mean, just every facet of the game dominated, came out and laid an egg in the second half and – disappointing just because of the way they played in the first half. I mean, USM was like a 13-point underdog going into that ball game. But uh, when you tuned in and, and saw what was taking place, the Eagles played great in a half of football. Came out second half, couldn't move it at all. Just uh, UAB pinned their ears back and just attacked Watley, the freshman, at, at quarterback. And we had no answer for that. And then we had the football, Jeff, with about – in the time I should have wrote down the seconds, but had an opportunity with the football after a, a pick, returned it out to about midfield, 
and in my opinion should have ran a play and gotten the field goal range and could have done that. There was like 10 or 12 seconds left. Uh, we take a shot at the end zone, gets picked off, and uh, that's how regulation ended. Right. I mean, we've got one of the best kick, kick, kickers in all of college football on Seanfield. He's sensational and uh, didn't give him a chance to maybe win it at the end going to uh, overtime, and there's the score, man. That was a disappointing loss right, right there. Yep, and, and USM, you know, getting down into the final stretches – uh, of of the season will host La Tech, Louisiana Tech at home uh, this week. So uh, another another ball game. Ole Miss goes over to Texas A and M and loses that ball game, thirty eight to twenty four. And everybody thinks the sky is falling at, at Ole Miss too. They're looking at coaches, looking at players, looking at uh, staffs, looking at presidents, looking at athletic directors. They're looking at everybody. But Ole Miss goes over there and Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. Uh, beat them 38-24. Kind of has been the theme of Ole Miss's losses. Hung around, played uh, pretty well, just didn't have enough and just didn't have enough uh, defensively to hold on there. And that's kind of similar to the South Carolina other games. That's kind of been the theme of Ole Miss this year. You know, and, and kind of low on the scoring too at Ole Miss. We've seen them get up into the 40s and 50s uh, playing good, you know, good ball teams with that offense. Uh, but, you know, loses that one 38-24. And Ole Miss will be at Vanderbilt this week uh, coming up. As Like I said, as the season, regular season is winding down. Everybody trying to get bowl eligible uh, for that first week of December when them bowls start. Um, and then the Bulldogs, Mississippi State, goes over to Tuscaloosa and loses one 24 to nothing amongst a bunch of controversy. People, uh, the talking heads all over sports, and everybody's been talking about it, but – uh, Alabama wins that one and, to, of course, remain on top, 24-0. Uh, to So, the Bulldogs didn't even get, uh, you know, any points on the board uh, right there. So, heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss for the Bulldogs, not to even score at all. Yeah, you know, get shut out. And when you look at State's defense, that's as good as a defense can play, I believe, against that Alabama offense. I mean, I knew State's defense was very good. They actually held up better than what LSU's defense held up the week before in my mind and so uh state's defense is what we thought they were but alabama showed you know when they need to just really shut you down they can do that as well so uh coach saban and his crew and if you listen to social media his officiating crew i mean and now we've got alabama cheating recruiting one week i saw that from all the lsu fans now the state fans have them uh paying the officials so uh the conspiracy theories are out in, in full force, but uh, Alabama just continues to roll. Well, and when you're on top, as long as they have been on top and winning the way they win and recruiting the way he recruits, because behind everybody starting on that field is another five-star, four-star, you know, setting behind them starters. You're going to have your names thrown in some kind of conspiracy, and, and things are going to be – uh, if the ball doesn't go your way, you're going to try to point the blame to something else besides your play on the field. And that's what everybody's been doing uh, with Alabama. But Mississippi State will try to bounce back, and they have Arkansas at home uh, this coming up week. Yeah, and that being, just to go back to the Alabama point, there were some statistics about Alabama not actually having penalties marked. I think they had a kick go out of bounds right. or something. but. There are some startling things out there about the way that they are actually officiated that I'm not a conspiracy guy, 
by no means. But when you look at the numbers and then when you see replays on a, a touchdown that was peeled back before because of a block where the state player didn't even put their hands. I mean, there are some weird things going on there, but it'd take a whole lot from officiating crew to get you in a 24-0 ball right. game. And then uh, LSU where it was able to take care of Arkansas 24 to 17 uh, LSU coming off of that loss 29 to nothing against Alabama last week LSU has Rice at home first time uh, they mentioned in a long time that Rice is playing LSU so LSU has Rice at home after the big win I say big win after the SEC win against Arkansas 24 17. Yep, and some basketball that helped USM fans kind of get over right. uh, the loss the night before. USM's men's team was able to go on the road and beat an SMU team. That was a good win for that Southern Miss club, a young team that uh, Coach Sadler has put together. And the future's bright, I think, for that program and for him as he's trying to build off of uh, coming off of some probation issues there. And, and he's done a good job of recruiting in-state and so that was an exciting win for Southern Miss on Sunday afternoon. And also the women uh, for Southern Miss got the win over Grambling. So that kind of eased the pain a little right. bit for us Southern Miss fans. I thought I'd throw that in there. Well, and it's getting basketball season too. Now everything's in at one time. Football's wrapping up. Football games, basketball games are being played at the same time. I mean, same day, maybe different times. So all that stuff's starting to merge as Mississippi State's uh, men's basketball team had a big win over Hartford, uh, 77-59. Mississippi's, they ranked 18th in the nation. And then Ole Miss beats Western Michigan 90-64 to too. So that kind of, like you was talking about Southern Miss taking that heartbreak, well, they're both basketball teams won as well to maybe try to ease some of that pain. I don't think the state basketball fans would have went over Hartford. <laughs> I don't think they did anything for that Alabama loss. But I get the, I get the uh, drift there, Jeff. And then to go back to the junior college a little bit with Coach Oney and them up at the bas- up at, uh, the PRCC men's basketball, they're 2-0 and on the season. They're actually playing right now as we're recording this. Uh, the men's basketball team is, and the, the PRCC women's basketball team is also 2-0 and on the season. So good things happening right there in Popperville. Yeah, and that's as much fun as we've had recording the interview. I think we can both say that. Coach Oney was a trip right. last week. He was a lot of fun. And his enthusiasm, the way that he approaches his squad and the game says a lot about uh, what they were able to do last year defending state champs. And I think this year they're going to be great. I think they're going to have one of those special seasons up in Popperville. And then seeing some T-shirts and stuff today is going into work. And people say how it's a great day to be a Saints fan. Saints blew out Cincinnati yesterday to extend that winning streak. Only lost was the very first game of the season. So, Saints extend that winning streak. And then they also see some other teams kind of have some hiccups. They beat St. Louis. I mean, I say St. Louis. They beat Los Angeles Rams last week. Los Angeles kind of had a little hiccup there with Seattle, too, as as you're seeing things starting to play out as there's uh, six more weeks left of the regular season. And Saints look to uh, – they keep winning. They're looking to maybe try to seal up home field advantage through the playoffs and if you want to get through the nfc you might have to come through the superdome yeah that's unreal you know you look at uh nfl and they don't do ranking so to speak but a lot of publications put out a power ranking saints you will find at least two on all of them most of them have them at one that's the kind of year and the way that they are rolling 
Jeff, they're scoring like a college offense. I mean, they're rolling up points in the NFL. You just don't see that. Breeze completing a ton of passes. His completing per, uh, completion percentage is off the charts. Playing as good as he's played at his age, they are a lot of fun to watch. Well, I think he passed Brett Favre yesterday for uh, it with the touchdowns on the season. He hit the 500 a couple weeks ago, but I think he passed Brett. And then they signed Dez last week. Of course, Dez goes down. Second practice, t- tears his Achilles tendon. He's out. But then they signed Brandon Marshall today, a pickup on a Monday. They picked him up to bring him in. Brandon Marshall says he has never played in a playoff game. They had some quotes from him, never played. But he is on a team right now that he could actually help. And, I mean, they're playoff bound. They keep playing like this. There's no doubt about it. But Brandon Marshall uh, could be a pretty good asset to the Saints team. Yeah, I think Marshall would kind of be like a Colston at the end of his career, a big body that could screen some people out if you needed a six or eight yard uh, catch. Look, if they can't figure out how to guard Mike Thomas, I mean, in in known situations where they're going to throw him the football, you look out and this cat's three or four yards open. His routes and the way that he frees himself are unreal. He's so good as a – wide receiver breeze finally has like that just top end right. weapon it you know when he had uh, reggie bush and graham kind of reminds you of those type of uh, weapons um for him to play with not to mention the tailbacks for kamar and ingram in a way that they're it, it's man it's well, fun well then there's there's no there's no really much – you can't double-team Thomas because you have Kamara that can move out of the backfield. You have Traquan Smith over there that can play. So, if Kamara moves out, you've got a linebacker matched up on, you know, Kamara a lot of the times coming out. So, you can't – and then you put, if you put Marshall and bring him into the slot where Dez was going to play, the weapons and the offense, it, it, I mean, it's – the sky's the limit for the New Orleans Saints. Absolutely. And uh, we'll – excited about the saints we're excited about what we're able to uh, bring to y'all each and every week if y'all would uh please continue to tune in to the talking ball y'all podcast until next week thank thank you for listening to this week's episode brought to you by mugshots katie cake and company huey p stockstow llc pearl river community college bank plus advantage insurance company anthem mitchell a realtor with rematch premier group and picayune physical therapy center Stay tuned for more episodes in the weeks to come.